Well, hi, everybody. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest installment of the RU Review. The gang is all here, although we are socially separated in this COVID era. Steve Titchener, John McAlevey, and former Scarlet Knight great Eric Legrand, all part of the program, which is brought to you by our good friends at LG Insurance. Fellas, I could tell. And Eric, we'll start with you. A little lift in the voice, a little smile that we could see through the phone lines from all of us, because finally, there are some good things to talk about when it comes to Rutgers football. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome, guys. Glad to have Coach Shannon back on the banks of the old Raritan and get this program up and rolling again. And who would have thought, Steve Titchener, you're an alumnus of the school, that there would be excitement over a 22-point loss, but that's the fact of the matter. A blowout at the half turned into a competitive game. RU showed its stripes under Coach Chiano, and even though it was still a big loss, they covered that big point spread. By the way, who said last week, Steve, that I that Rutgers – oh, I gave it away. I thought Rutgers John would do I that. <laughs> but the yeah. point is, Steve, like that's how much things have changed. People can see there's hope on the horizon. Oh, no question. I mean, look, it was a tough first half, um, you know, 35 to three. And, you know, Ohio State was pretty much doing whatever they wanted. Um, and, you know, I was bummed at the, at the half, I, I got to say. But, um, and, you know, no surprise I me. Mean, Justin Fields is just too good. They just couldn't stop anything that they were they were doing. I mean, they got wide receivers that are going to play on Sunday. I mean, there's a lot of players that are going to play on Sunday uh, on Ohio State, as we know. Uh, it was probably you know, at this point, man, who's better than Ohio State right now in the country? I, I you know, I can make an argument that they're the best team in the country. So coming out in the second half and fighting like they did, and, and that's what we're seeing with uh, with Greg Schiano. We're seeing teams, you know, we're seeing a different team. And uh, they came out and they played hard. Um, you know, and there's a lot of good stories there. The defensive line, I thought, played really tough. Love what Bo Melton's doing this year. I mean, he, he had a tough go. You know, four-star recruit, there's a lot of question marks about him. Um, he's coming in his senior year here and he's playing, he's playing like a star, you know, he's a guy who could play on the other team, you know, for sure. And so there's a lot of positives going on this season and that definitely a lot of positives in that second half. But the reality is, is that there simply are, as we said, that they, they are overmatched at this point, but, um, you know, the fight, uh, that, that Chiano's teams are showing and actually it's en- entertaining as well. These trick plays and all, I mean, you know, the second half was a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, it it did brighten my spirits for sure. Hey, John, uh, at halftime, I I sent a text to the group saying, uh, who was that guy now about that (laughs) point spread when it was 35-3? So I have to admit, I wasn't sure my prediction was going to come to fruition. But boy, what a second half for Rutgers. Uh, Kept chopping. That's that's the school's motto under Coach Ciano. And while they never put a scare into Ohio State, they certainly sent a message to the conference if that message hadn't been sent previously. Absolutely. There's a there's a new sheriff in town. I'm reminded of the, the great band, The Who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, and Greg Schiano's back, and he's really put his thumbprint on this program. We're three games in to a roster that he really had not too much to do with other than some transfers and some recruits that he was able to bring in, and they certainly made uh, switching back for the second half worthwhile because that Notre Dame Clemson game was hard to take your eyes off of. I'll tell you that I was sort of on both of them. I wish I 
uh, knew how to work the picture in picture in my TV set. I'm still not all that <laughs> tech savvy, but um, yeah, as Steve said, the first half was a wash and, you know, you kind of figured that that would sort of be the case. Ohio state is really good. They're playing at home. Uh, Justin Fields is a professional quarterback and um, Noah Vedral is nice, but he's not. And, and Rutgers doesn't have the same uh, personnel that Ohio state does. But in the second half, they gave you something to want to come back again for this week. They showed you some fight. They had some, uh, some trickeration as they like to say. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to call the trick play. It's another thing to execute it. And with the personnel that they have, they did, they don't have four and five star recruits, but they made those plays work. And not only did the coaches look good, but the players look good. And, um, you know, as you said, losing by 22 points is not something you want to jump up and down for. But, wow, they, they certainly showed enough for you to want to come back and, and lace them up against Illinois on Saturday. Well, their favorite, and that's a first in Rutgers history in a Big Ten game. So that's all good. Eric, I listened to the first half. I listened to your halftime show with uh, Mark Malusis. And then, as it was such a beautiful night, I I was going to stay away from the TV until it started to get a little chilly. And then I came inside and I, I, I watched the second half. But what was going through your mind in that first half when Rutgers showed a lot of old form? And boy, you're walking off the field. It's 35 to three. And what are you thinking? When I saw the 35 to three, I was just honestly, I was over the, over the moon on how good Justin Fields is. And I said to myself, I was telling some friends, he reminds me of Russell Wilson. His precision, his accuracy, and the ability to not make a mistake. He knows exactly where to put the ball, when to put the ball. And if he needs to live to see another down, which he doesn't have to do much. He only has 11 incompletions on the year. He can throw the ball away or he can scramble. And he sets people up. Like, you think you have a sack on him. There was one time when the safety came off the edge on a, on a pure rush right at him. All Justin Fields did was dip inside with a little bit with his inside shoulder like he was going to, you know, fake like he was going and then whoop, drop right out. And he still kept his eyes down the field. I'm like, this guy is just just amazing back there. So I was I was just over the moon on how good Justin Fields was in that first half. But yeah, Rutgers, they tried their trick plays and, and things in, in that first half. And the ball wasn't moving so much for them on the offensive side, which was, you know, tough because you put your defense out there. But you did see little peaks and highlights of how the defensive line could actually get under the offensive line for Ohio State's skin, causing penalties, getting pressure in the backfield. That's what it actually impressed me a lot. Ohio State's offensive line, if they want to win, you know, this national championship going forward, they got a lot of work to do up front. Yeah, they committed nine penalties, Ohio State did. Rutgers also committed nine. That's something that's been a bit of a bugaboo for the Scarlet Knights. Few too many penalties, and surprisingly so under Coach Ciano, uh in the first three games. But in listening to you at halftime, you said, I know what's going to happen. Coach is getting loud. He's going to yell, and he's going to say, we're not, <laughs> gi- we're not giving up. You've experienced that passion. How do you think that speech went? Oh man, this, so this is how it goes. They go, you get in the locker room and you, everyone, you know, you go to the bathroom, grab a few drinks, and you sit there. And then you kind of just get your seat and you just wait. And then the coaches, and coaches were in the room with all his coaches. And then they, you know, they're coming up with their adjustments and their plan. And then honestly, you hear the door open and it's just like, boom. Next to you, you know, he comes out with the most serious face on. 
He gives them usually a little hoorah screaming speech at first of what happened in the first half, rips you out, yells, and then all of a sudden he just cools down and goes through the adjustments. And it's just like, oh my God, what did I just hear? Like you got a man screaming and ripping you for one second, and then he cools down, goes through adjustments, asks questions, what do you see, what we see, this and that. And then at the end, he formulates the plan and says, let's go. This is, we're going to look at this as a zero zero game. We're going to chop one play at a time, every single play, one play at a time, one play, one at a time. That one, if something bad happens, let it go. Something good happens, enjoy it, then go on to the next play. And then you come out, and at the end of the day, you see what happens. You, I believe what was that we outscored them 24 to 14 in that second half. Well, you knew it would happen. At least you predicted that they would not give up, and and they did not. Steve, what did you think about all the, uh, as John called it, trickeration? It started right from the opening kickoff, man. Well, listen, you got to give yourself a chance, right? So that's what it is. And I, I, that's part of the fight of Greciano. I mean, at least he's saying, hey, listen, you know, we're, we're outmanned here. So um, let's let's try to outscheme him in some way. And so, you know, a lot of that stuff worked and, and you know, caught Ohio State by surprise. And, 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 and with that, they were, you know, able to, you know, get, get a couple points on the board and make it a respectable game. You know, I was whining about the 37 point uh, uh, spread. Uh, which, which, by the way, they covered in case yeah, in case anybody cover. missed it. Just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah. It looked it looked miserable at halftime, right? But they don't hurt covering. yourself, Matt. Pat, <laughs> which you know, and there's something to that. It's like, listen, you know, that 37 points. You're saying, hey, this team's got absolutely no chance. This is going to be a blowout, and it was peering that way. But listen, I mean, the fight in the second half is what the story's about, and part of that fight was, yeah, the trick plays, and I, and you look, and it was fun too. It's it's fun watching those, uh, uh, and, and the, here's the thing. They're executing them. That's that's the that's what's exciting about this is is that that, that they're they're well designed plays that are being executed, and so and, and that's what we're seeing with Rutgers this year. We're seeing more execution, and we're just seeing a better coach team. Let's face it. I mean, that, that, that's what's happening. So, uh, and and it's, and it's good to see. And going into this Illinois game where they you know they're favored and coming back home, and, uh, at least they don't have to travel somewhere. So there's that advantage there. And and uh, I know they won't have the crowd with them, but listen. Um, you know, Illinois struggling with some quarterback issues and such. And this is a game that uh, Rutgers can come in and win. So it's, it's uh, you know, going two and two. I'll take two and two after four games this year for sure. Oh, that's for sure. oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll sign up for that. <laughs> hey, Matt, I have a question for Eric, if I could. Sure. Eric, I um watching the first couple of games so far uh, and, and on the uh, color commentary for at least, I think, two of them. Uh, Matt Millen has been on the call and he really brought my attention to something that you just nailed on uh, maybe about Ohio state's offensive line, not being able to work over the Rutgers defensive front is that the transfer Michael drum for has really been a nuisance for offensive lines in there. The Michigan transfer, he has been really good up front along with some of his mates and, and that really goes a long way to, to slowing down a, a rushing attack from um, your opposing team. Why don't you talk a little bit about his play uh, and some of the, uh, the big uglies, as they like to call them up front, that you used to play those positions and uh, that you see going well for Rutgers right now? Yeah, Michael Dwarfenfor and Julius Turner have been wreaking havoc on offensive lines in the past three games. You know, I know the position. I played both of them, the tilted nose at the 1B and then the three technique. And those positions in Coach Shannon's defense are made to cause disruption. First off, the 1B, every, Coach Shannon runs a gap scheme defense. So everyone has their one gap. And it's obviously gaps move and stuff as the play goes along. 
but you control your one gap. And when he's lined up at the three technique, he has that B gap that's there for him, but it allows him to have the outside leverage of that guard that's going up against him. And when they have to face a double team, he's already able to be right in between the guard and the tackle, which allows him to lean to one side one way or lean to the other side and help him get free. And if you get any sort of knockback on that line of scrimmage off of the initial get off, that's it. If you can get knocked back at that position at the three tech or the at that nose guard, it disrupts everything that the offense is trying to do. And Julius Turner and Michael Dwelfor have been amazing with getting that initial boom knockback and knocking those offensive linemen off of their rhythm, which has been amazing for them to get tackles and off the, and also the linebackers. The only thing with Michael Dwelfor, I just hope he can stay healthy. He goes down a few times every game, and I'm just like, oh, no, that's a killer for us. Hold, yeah. in, hold in breath when he went down on Saturday night, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, twice, twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you bring up a good point there, though, Eric, about those two players and how they fit perfectly into Greg Schiano's scheme. And I'm wondering if you can give us some insight of what you know. So when the, the portals open and transfers are allowed – I don't know exactly what the contact that's permitted between coach and player. Uh, obviously, there's some allowed. But I imagine Greg pinpointed some of those players. Like, he wanted a little – he wanted some experience at the quarterback spot who could run different kind of sets that Sean Gleason's running. And so Vedral was there. Uh, and now it, it seems that maybe he was looking at these two guys as like, hey, you know what? I can't bring in a whole new team, but if I can get these two guys, I'm in much better position with the way I want to run things. Is that kind of how it went? Absolutely. When you look at, you know, you look at your team and you go on the defensive line, they didn't have many guys that were ready for a Big Ten football. You know, Julius Turner, he's been there for years now, but he's been undersized and undermatched in certain defenses. This type of defense that Koshiana runs, I played nose guard at 260 pounds. At 232 pounds at one point as a freshman, I was was yeah, thrown around a little bit at that time. <laughs> but I played at 260 and then at 275 at that position. The way that you line up just allows you certain advantages that helps. But Michael Dwongfor, a big three-tech, big body defensive line, played at Michigan, and he has roots here to New Jersey. Those are guys like, yes, you need to, you want to, you, I pick them out. You see, in my defense, this person will, will work perfectly. And you go after them. As you said, Noah Vedrill, you know, and the scheme that Coach Gleason wants to run, you need to be a little bit mobile. You need to be able to get the ball quick down the field. I know he can't. He doesn't have to grade his deep ball, which you know hinders him a little bit. But he makes decisions where he can get at, get out of the pocket and scramble if need be. And you know, obviously, the decision making just has to be better at some times. But that's the type of what you're working with from what you have. So yes, though, when you're targeting your players on what you want to run and those this transfer portal before you can start getting your guys recruited in there, that's exactly how it works in the transfer portal. Let me look around. Who's in it? okay, I need this guy that fits my position. He fits our culture and what we can do. And that's how you go after them. What did you make of the three quarterbacks playing? I know he's used Johnny Langan throughout the season, but we saw Art Sitkowski for the first time. Was mm-hmm. that just because it was late and Greg wanted to get a look at him, which is what he said, or do you think there's a little bit more to it? This is what I said, in my opinion. You know, I didn't get to talk with Coach and everybody. But I saw when he came in there, one, it was, you know, nice to see him. You always want to get practice of being able to run a two-minute drill. So it was good that, you you know, Archon practiced that. But I said, I think Rutgers wants to actually try to see if they can take a shot down the field. They haven't really pushed the ball down the field here. 
obviously the Ohio State defense still didn't really allow them to take a shot down the field because they were playing that preventative type of defense. But I felt like with Art, we know Art has a cannon. He can throw that ball. So I felt like Seattle said, you know, we might have an opportunity to take a shot down the field. Let's put Art out there to run the two-minute drill and see where that can take us. That's just my opinion. That's what I thought. Well, I mean, he got them down to the goal line, unfortunately, had that uh, fumble. But nonetheless, Oh, he... man. Bo Mettle was open. So <laughs> I he, beat him off the, he beat him off the line. As soon as I saw the, the, the one-on-one covers, I'm like, right, what's the part about to do? He dropped back and stopped. I looked, my eyes immediately go to the wide receiver. Oh, he had the corner beat. He had him, he had him beat. And he's going to hate watching that in the in the uh, film session this week, right, Eric? When that ball, um, I mean, that was just yeah. like, whoop, where the heck did that thing go? Because he, as you said, mm-hmm. he had ball wide open on that play. It's going to be a little embarrassing sitting in there, but it happens to all of us. Do you think he'll, he'll coach will, what he found out, he, I mean, he knew about the arm and all that sort of stuff, but he saw the execution. And now he said, you know what? I got another Mm-hmm. Trick, I, I, I won't. It's, I don't want to call art a trick, but I have something else in my play calling book that I can pull out because I've got Langan does some things. Obviously, Vedral's our guy right now, but hey, if we need some deep ball action or we see something, we can exploit it. He won't be in there for that long necessarily, but it's a change of pace. I could definitely see art getting more plays. He did himself justice with how he handled that two minute drill, and he also scrambled a little bit. I mean, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't look like he was Lamar Jackson out there running the ball, but he also didn't look like Philip Rivers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so he did show that he could actually run and scramble a little bit and get you know pick up a first down. But I think he did himself justice in Cochiano. My sit there like, hmm, maybe I might mix up a little. So who knows? Might see some throwbacks and stuff like that with R or taking a shot down the field again because he has the R power to do it. So. I'm interested to see how he's going to start using art now. Little Taysom Hill there, huh? Can it bring him in for uh, for uh, hey, Drew Brees? Listen, I don't see Taysom Hill a lot. I don't know if we're at that point yet because that guy is no. <laughs> He's a beast, huh? Love that guy. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, the New Orleans Saint uh, quarterback slash running back slash linebacker linebacker <laughs> exactly at any rate we, we we will see what happens on saturday uh, we will talk about the fighting illini coming to shi stadium after we take this time out as uh, you are listening to the ru review brought to you by our good friends at lg insurance at lg insurance agency our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home car and business insurance lg insurance agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs lginsuranceagency.com or search lg insurance agency And we're back on RU Review. Again, thanks to our good friends at LG Insurance for their support. Matt Lachlan, Steve Titchener, John McAlevey, and Eric Legrand. And we take a look ahead, fellas, to Saturday as Rutgers hosts the Fighting Illini. COVID has run rampant through their program. They will be without their starting quarterback again. Steve, you talked about that. Uh, Lovey Smith and company 0-3, and and Rutgers is favored on Saturday. Yeah, well, listen, you know, Brandon, uh, their their quarterback, Brandon Peters, is a transfer from Michigan. I mean, he's a good player, and losing him is big for them. I mean, they really didn't have much behind that. They got this guy, Corin Taylor, going. 
you know, young player who's still developing. So um, that's a big loss. He's not, I think he, he can't play until the 21st, I believe. So according to uh, big 10 rules, uh, because he, uh, uh, of course he, um, he was positive. He tested positive, uh, unfortunately. So, I mean, that is a break for Rutgers for sure. And, and, you know, Illinois has been struggling. I mean, they've gotten, they've gotten beaten up far this, so far this year, uh, you know, Wisconsin took it to them and they stayed close with Purdue and then, you know, Minnesota beat them up pretty good. Um, it's kind of hard to gauge the big 10 this year. Right. I mean, in Minnesota looked terrible and then they look okay. And, uh, you know, so, uh, it's, it's, it's all over the place. And, uh, uh, but I think this is a good chance for Rutgers, uh, this week, uh, if, and believe it or not, touchdown, uh, favorite this time around, mm-hmm. uh, could be a trap game though, guys, you know, I mean, and, uh, and, uh, uh, coach Gianna was, was, uh, spoke to that saying, listen, we're focused on one team and, you know, Lovey Smith is a good coach and, uh, uh, there's no guarantees. And, and of course we know that very well. There's no chance that Rutgers will go into this game thinking they've got it in their hip pocket. Absolutely, they'll be ready. You know, Coach Chiano is not going to let that, that outside noise or the numbers, you know, show that, even though that they are touchdown favorites. You know, it's kind of nice. They still have so much to prove and a lot more respect to gain, and they need to start winning football games. And if you want to be a respectable program and teams are going to start become favorites, you got to go out there and prove it on the field, you know. And the line, it looks good. Oh, yeah, minus, minus seven. Or, yeah, we covered this week. No, when you, you got to start winning those games. And I know as Coach Yana, as a former player, he will not let that get those numbers get to him or the players. Hey, what do you want to see from Rutgers this week? How do they approach Illinois? You know what? The way they approach Illinois is, 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 is they treat it as their one-game season, as Coach says. And, uh, and I've been through it. You know, on Monday, you actually, well, it starts on Sunday. You come in and you go over some of the edits that, you know, the, the stuff that you need to do better in the game on Sunday from Saturday. Then you, you know, do some trick play stuff, as he has mentioned. Monday, you come back in, you empty out all your, we call it the guts. You empty out all the whole game plan from the week before and you pick up a new game plan. Usually study some film and things like that. And then on Tuesday, you hit the ground running and it's it's all Illinois. And it's, you know, you forget about Ohio State and then you, for, you don't worry about Michigan ahead of them. It's all focused on what they're trying to do. So they'll be prepared and they'll be ready for all the fronts and that that Levy Smith is going to want to come up for them. Eric, I have two questions for you. Number one, um, other than being like in the NFL where, you know, they're professionals and, and they're older uh, and, and is playing in front of no fans and the stadiums might be a little bit easier for them. Uh, being Put yourself back in your college days and coming off uh, a second half where your number ones played toe-to-toe with Ohio State's number ones for, for these entire second half, 30 minutes played really well. And coming home as a favorite to play an Illinois team that on paper, you know, you have a really good chance to beat. Um, tell me what that would be like to not have your buddies in the end zone screaming for you. Uh, number one, what that would be like psyche-wise. And number two, uh, Raquan O'Neal scored a touchdown on Saturday, and the big guys usually don't find themselves in the end zone. Had a young Eric Legrand picked up a fumble and rumbled, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the sideline yeah. as you told that you were a 4-3 runner at one point. <laughs> what would a, uh Eric Legrand type of celebration have looked like in the end zone? All right, well, the first question is, yeah, you wish that you, you can have this, this, the fans there, the stadium rocking, student sections going crazy. You know, you you wish you could have that. You feed off of that. But honestly, you know, now they've played three games without the crowd. You kind of get used to that. 
no ground feeling. And when you first come out of the tunnel, the beginning it's a little bit weird, probably a little bit eerie. But as soon as, you know, the ball is kicked off, and then it's just time to play football. And so right. yes, the six man is there to help us. You know, are there six and numbers of the 12th man? You know, they help out definitely. But, um, you know, once the game is kicked off, you're fine. But, yes, if I got a chance, I dream about this all the time. If I would have got a chance, <laughs> and we're, like, trying to do a goal line score, a goal line stand, and all of a sudden the ball pops out, and I'm right there. I pick it up, and I take that to the house. Like, is that with a 4-3 speed? That's what I'm about <laughs> that. But the time actually might be a 4-7, four, 4-8. Four, but in my head, I'm running a 4-3 speed. <laughs> and, when I get to, and when I get to the end zone, I'm just going to act a donkey. I'm sorry. Coach Shannon like, will probably kick me out the game, but I might throw the ball in the stands. I might try to dunk the ball. I might try to, who knows, start doing a moonwalk, start all types of celebrating. But I, when I was in, the, uh, in high school, you know, I got to score and pop on. It was nice, but there's nothing being like that. You're playing at that level as a defensive lineman. You get a breakaway speed or off, offensive lineman, you get to score. Oh, man, it would have been a party in the end zone. <laughs> and Coach Chiano might have kicked you out, as you said. And then when he got into the locker room, he would have been like, big hug. Way to go, big fella. <laughs> exactly. Later on. But so oh, man. Sort of like that video that's on Twitter that I've seen, right? Eric, you at the bowl game. It would have been one of those. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, that's the one, one of the biggest things I miss about football is just being around the guys. It's, the locker room celebrations after a win, it's not easy to win in college football. And when you get that victory, those those celebrations in the locker room, well, a lot of fun. Well, hey, you know what? Someday, someday you won't be on the football field playing for Rutgers in the future, but you keep talking about, and rightfully so, that you're going to get out of that chair and walk. So maybe we get you to do a little moonwalking in the end zone at SHI Stadium at some point in the not-too-distant future. That would be cool. We'd all be there celebrating with you, man. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll make sure I whack donkey for that celebration. And Coach well. Shiano won't kick you out. <laughs> he won't kick me out for that one. He can't yell at me then. No, so, no way. I, no way. At the back of my head. Absolutely. Hey, Steve, you were, you were going to say something? Yeah, I just wanted, you know, speaking of the locker room, Eric, um, what, what do you think? I mean, it, it's got to be a stronger locker room than ever, certainly stronger than what we've seen in the last few years. I mean, those guys seem to be locked in, and, uh, and that's that's one thing that Shiano brings to this whole uh, program is, uh, is just having uh, everybody on one page speak to that. Yeah, you know, it is. I'm glad you actually brought that up because it's the accountability for one another fighting for your brother next to you, sacrificing you know, your ideas, your plans and for the betterment of the team. And he just he just talks about that every single day in, day out until it just becomes it's stuck in your head and you understand it and learn it and you really go out there and you play for the person next to you. It's not about me. not about that person. As Coach Shannon says, love is sacrifice. Family, forget about me. I love you. I'm sacrificing for you. And you can just see that. But the guys that we saw with Ohio, in the game versus uh, Indiana, when they're doing the throwbacks to each other, Shaheen Jones was very upset and beside himself on the sideline. You see Coach Tyquan Underwood consoling him as well as Bo Melton. And then, you know, you see this team come out in the second half as Ohio State and not bowing down and just not giving up. And that's just the, the brotherhood that they have and that culture that he has created. So it's very cool to see that. Well, and, you know, look, also, go ahead, Steve. I'm uh, sorry. Just one quick point about you alluded to. Uh, the trick plays and stuff. And then, you know, there was a reason to do that against Ohio state because you, you know, you're outmanned and you got to figure something out and they fought like hell in that second half. But as you alluded to Eric, 
keep that in the game plan, keep the element of surprise going. I mean, it's kind of a signature thing with, with, with Chiano as well. And that element of surprise, I think, will serve them against any team. Absolutely. And then you start to think about it, too. Teams start to prepare for all those trip plays. And sometimes they have to leave an extra man behind here or an extra man behind on this side. And it opens up gaps sometimes because somebody's worried about the quarterback sneaking out the back. So worried about the wide receiver coming this way. So they have to, you know, dedicate one specific man to that position to cover that type of thing. And it, and it opens up another hole for you. So there's all good stuff that comes with your, with your plays, especially when you execute them. Well, that's the thing. There's one thing about having a plan, but they're executing it against a very good team with great athletes, and they're executing these plays, which I think is pretty amazing. It is, and it's funny because I know after hearing his press conference on Monday, they thought on that opening kickoff they were taking that to the house. They thought that the Ohio State was going to fly down to that way, to the, to the left side, and he threw it back to Bo Mount. He thought Bo Mount was going to take it to the house, but he says, you know, sometimes you're just dealing with another beast of athletes, and they were able to somehow recover and tackle him 35 yard line but hey they still were able to execute it yeah well eric game time 12 o'clock in piscataway you'll be up in the booth again with the rest of the crew right Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) you you get chris carlin and ray (laughs) lucas and my man fooch down on the field they had a conversation about fooch walking through a drive-through in columbus trying to get Wendy's, I think. Something, some weird story that he was involved in last week. And then she wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be served because they said, no, you're, you're in a drive-through and he didn't have a car. So somehow, I don't know, maybe Ray had a car then picked him up and they drove through again. And, and Fuchs was like, I'm back. <laughs> After speaking with uh, Chris Carlin and, and how they all travel together, they need to be recorded and filmed at all times because it would make TV, it was funny, reality TV. It would have the most views the way that, that he describes the way things that happen when they travel. And that does not surprise me at all. That's Fooch tried to walk through a drive through without a car. Walk into a drive through to get Wendy's. <laughs> not allowed, Fooch. Not, not allowed. Not allowed. He <laughs> forgot the car. <laughs> it's not a walkthrough, my man. We have to get Fuchs right. on the show. It's a drive-through. At any rate, Eric will be listening on Saturday. We'll also be tuning in, watching it on TV as Rutgers takes on Illinois. Thanks very much for your time this week. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And fellas, there's some excitement in the air. We've had some laughs, some chuckles. I can't remember the last time we had that on, our, on an RU review. <laughs> we need hey, listen, it's a, an exciting season so far. I know we got a chance to be two and two, or Shiana would say one and zero. So hey, I'm looking forward to this. I'll take this twice on Tuesday. Oh, I'll sign up for two and two for sure. Are you ready? That's what they should be putting up on the stands. They're all ready for it. So this is good stuff. I missed the chest pounding and doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Before that opening kickoff and the DJs playing, oh, good That's time. it. Getting all hyped up for the game. Absolutely. Well, we thank all our listeners for joining us this week. We hope you've been hyped for the game, not only because of what we brought to you, but what Rutgers has brought to the table this year. Exciting times. Things have turned around, but they can't take Illinois for granted. That bear is going to be fighting hard because they're 0-3. So let's see what happens on Saturday. As for our program, again, thanks to LG Insurance for John McAlevey, Steve Titchener, and Eric Legrand. I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks for listening to the RU Review. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.